didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. And I'm Colin. And I'm Whitney. And this is Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast, where we go week by week, chapter by chapter. We take a look at every single episode of Stranger Things. We have made it all the way through season four. And now we are in the deep, dark void as we wait for season five. So... In the meantime, we are trying to keep the masses entertained <laughs> while we wait for, you know, new information or anything. But with the writer's strike, and then I heard the actors were possibly getting ready, like the actors, like, um, yeah, what is it? Screen Actors Guild. Yeah, yep. Screen Actors Guild. Yep. They're getting ready to maybe strike. and But maybe if they strike too, then people will get on it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't knows. know how that works. But, <laughs> Yeah. So this week we are doing a character deep dive into everyone's favorite babysitter, Steve Harrington, and Colin's going to start us off with some some a little bit of trivia about old yeah, Stevie. So we, yeah, we don't really know a whole lot about Steve. Actually, we don't mm-hmm. know when he was born. We can we can presume it was sometime 1966-1967 in order for him to be a junior in high school at the start of season one, which was in the fall of 1983. So his parents, we don't know. They are never seen. They're only referenced when they go over to his house for the party, Barb and Nancy do. And Steve says something like his dad's out of town at a conference and his mom went with him. Yeah. She didn't trust him. You get kind of, you get kind of an idea that he's like the rich, like, yeah. He's yeah. like one of the rich kids in Hawkins. Like he, right? I mean, he he dresses well. His hair. He nice. drives a, he drives a BMW. A, yeah, yeah. The nineteen eighty three BMW 733i. So it's a brand new BMW at the time, mm-hmm. and a very nice BMW at the time. So he was obviously at Hawkins High School, played basketball that we know of for sure in season two. He referenced being a swim co captain and a certified lifeguard for three years, and that's why he dives into Lovers Lake. But then oh, yeah. also in the World's Turned Upside Down book, which we lived on for seasons one and two, <laughs> they have like a little yearbook, fake yearbook page for him. Yeah. It says he was in baseball and student council and key club and FBLA. What is and the key Pompeo. club? I knew you were going to ask me that and I meant to look it up. And I, I think, okay, so it. I it's think some kind of service. It's like a, no, I think it's like a fraternity in high school. It is an international student-led organization that provides its members with opportunities to provide service, build character, and develop leadership. It is a branch of Kiwanis International, a nonprofit dedicated to improving the lives of children. So not a fraternity. No. <laughs> I think it's like a, it's kind of a service-y kind of organization-y kind of thing for students, high school students. It's funny they haven't been future business leaders of America because he uh, couldn't even get into college. Right. He had to work at Scoops. <laughs> And then family video, neither of which I think are astounding, astounding businesses, but no. So he went to Hawkins high from 81 to 85, graduated in 85. So he was a junior at the start of season one, a senior at the start of season two. And then obviously season three was the summer after he graduated when he was at Scoops Ahoy and then finished the season at family video. And then of course was at family video for all of season four. So We always talk about the line distribution and how many lines he had. So he started out kind of slow. In season one, he only had 137 lines. He was number eight among cast members. Season two actually got more lines, but went down. He he had 174 lines, but was number nine. And then season three and season four, he was number two both seasons with 326 lines in season three and 302 lines 
in season four. Oh, so that's funny that was number two. Yeah, the Duffers knew what they had in him, I think, and just kind of let him let him go with it. So, well, Joe Keery, I think he's an, a great actor in general. I do too. Yeah, like, I love I him. Too. Like, I, I you've seen Free Guy, right? Oh yeah, I think Couple Free Guy's adorable. Like, it's yeah, he's, he's great, perfect. Yep. So, speaking of Joe Keery, he was born April twenty fourth, nineteen ninety two. He is thirty one years old as we speak. He was born in Newburyport, Mass. He actually adi- initially auditioned for the role of Jonathan. But later, the Duffers got in touch or representatives or casting people or whatever and wanted him to audition for Steve. So he sent a tape in for Steve until that point. And just after he had done some TV, he was in an episode of Empire and an episode of Chicago Fire. What is Empire? The, uh, it was the Fox show about. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, African-American. About. I think they're like a music uh, yes. family. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then, so he did an ad. Uh, it, I think it actually came out either during or right after season one. It was a Domino's ad where he was kind of playing a Ferris Bueller. Yes. Type character. So I'll, I'll actually, it's a cute ad. Yeah, so it's I'll, cute. I'll include a link to that. And then you mentioned Free Guy, which he did, what, last year, year before? Uh, yeah, it was a couple years ago. 21, I think. Mm-hmm. And then he's also a musician and a very good one, actually. Mm-hmm. And he's done a lot of stuff in the years leading up to now. And right now he's uh, focused on his own band, which is pronounced Joe, but it's spelled D-J-O. And I'll include a link to, they had a really great set in the, in the YouTube video of their whole set at Lollapalooza last summer in Chicago. And so you can check out him playing with his band, which is, it's actually really good. It's kind of, kind of electronic-y yeah. kind of. Yeah. Kind of I weird, like it. But- but kind of cool, yeah. It like it's almost like a mashup of like chain smokers esque, like that electronic yeah. sound. Kind yeah, of. kind of Depeche Mode kind of erasure kind of, but more admin, like kind of radio heady kind of too. It's kind of it's kind of a weird little mashup. But it's, I would it's love cool. to know who they if anybody auditioned, like any names that we know of now that auditioned for other parts. Like as I know, like Logan Raleigh Bruner, the guy who plays Fred, yeah, our buddy. He auditioned for Jonathan as well. Okay. So yeah. I'd love to know, like, if there was anybody that auditioned for Steve or, like, right. I, did we say, like, Tom, the guy who played Chester Rushing, who plays Tommy, did he audition for Steve originally? I don't know. I haven't heard any any names, so I don't know. Hmm. I don't yeah. know. But as far as the character of Steve Harrington goes, we've always talked throughout the whole thing about how he is the the character that has done the greatest 180 and and done so much with his character development. He was on Fallon, uh, I want to say, less than a year ago. Yeah. And, <laughs> We're talking about, was, the, I just watched that clip. The one talking about the Protect Steve, when yeah. he brings that up. Yeah. And he was talking about how he kind of started out like Steph and Pretty and Pink. He was kind of like the the villain, but then, you know, kind of slowly involved, evolved. And then I also found a quote from the Duffers. They were, this is just after season two aired. They were at Vulture Festival in LA. And Matt said... The whole evolution with Steve started with the train track scene in episode six of season two with Dustin. And Matt said, so many people from the crew were just talking to us about how much that scene meant to them. It felt like something that really connected with a lot of people. Then we just started leaning into it more and more. You put him with Dustin and then Dustin brings him into the world of kids. And naturally he's going to step up. He was the oldest one there and would have to take charge of the situation. And that's how babysitter Steve developed. And then I went into the book, mm-hmm. World's Turned Upside Down, and Joe actually said, I wanted to justify the character's actions so he wasn't doing terrible things for no reason. That was my goal going into it. And then as the process went along and the scripts came out, 
I worked with the duffers to create this sort of tightrope between doing the right thing and doing the wrong thing, just trying to make sure that every single choice that he made, whether it was good or bad, was justified. So, I mean, and that and that's really cool. I mean, for an yeah. actor to do that and for the duffers to accept it and for them to, you know, agree and, and decide that it's a good good thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I do think that's one of the duffers do really, really well is show, like, their characters are so multidimensional. They're not perfect. They're not all bad. They're all, you know. Right. There's likable villains. There's, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, people like, you know, Brenner and people, you know, so absolutely. So I went through and I just kind of, like, fast forwarded through pretty much the whole series, kind of tracing his arc. And so just a couple of the highlights. I mean, the the absolute worst he is is obviously season one. So in episode three is when he drops the camera and I, mm-hmm. I still flinch. Oh, I hate time it. I see that. And then in episode six was the fight in the alley when they were spray painting, mm-hmm. you know, slut and everything on the walls. But then in episode seven is when he confronts Tommy and Carol at the fair mart and then immediately proceeds to go clean the graffiti mm-hmm. off the uh, movie marquee. And then in episode eight, is when he comes back into the house after Nancy points the gun at him and tells him to leave. <laughs> he comes he comes in and basically, I mean, he saves Jonathan's life, essentially. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then season two, we have the Halloween party where he's kind of starting to become more likable and more sympathetic as a character. Oh, gosh, Nancy, I hate, I think Nancy's so mean to him. Oh, yeah. So because she's all drunk and says everything's all bullshit and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then episode six, we talked about that's the Farrah Fawcett spray episode. And then in episode nine is when we get the, I may be a pretty shitty boyfriend, but turns out I'm actually a pretty damn good babysitter line. And then drops Dustin at the snowball, which is just, you know, just a cute, cute moment. So uh, season three didn't really do a whole lot, obviously, you know, with, with the kids. Cause he was within the Russian. No, he was with time. Dustin the whole time. Yeah. So we had that lightsaber moment in mm-hmm. episode two, which was really cute. And then they worked to figure out the code and then the whole bit with Robin, which is just so priceless when she mm-hmm. comes out to him in the bathroom. And then, you know, it's one of those moments that kind of gets lost in all the confusion and everything else that's going on. But in episode eight, he's up at Weathertop with Dustin and Robin and Erica, and he leaves because he sees what's going on at the mall from way yeah. up on top of the hill. And he goes back and gets there just in time to smash into Billy's car when he's getting ready to hit yeah. Nancy. Yeah. So he, yeah. and then they drive away, you know, and drive, you know, kind of draw the mind flare away and goes obviously to work for family video. And then season four, he's the one in the grave when Max yeah. is talking, reading the letter. He's, he's the one that goes and sees that something's wrong and gets the whole ball rolling and tries to get her, you know, back from Vecna and everything. And then, you know, obviously he gets dragged under at Lover's Lake and fights the bats. And then the the little nuggets scene with Nancy in the RV and then he and Robin and Nancy, obviously, you know, Molotov cocktail Vecna and, you know, kind of end that threat. So mm-hmm. it's 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 just when you kind of put it all together that quickly, it's just the, the character arc is just so crazy. Yeah, so, which you added the sorting clothes, which means I'm going to add that my favorite TikTok too. Yeah, the, yeah. When he's in after the, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's like the Reba McIntyre song. Yeah, and he's just sitting there sorting clothes, and he's just he's looking smiling at Robin, at Robin like yeah, there Robin she and goes. Are just talking, he's like, "Oh, that's my girl." There Robin. she goes. There she goes. It's so cute. So yeah, we went through and did kind of our. I know it's not a top five episode, but we did our top five moments for Steve. You know, kind of as we picked him. So I had at number five the the scene that we mentioned with Robin in the bathroom, which mm-hmm. was just great. It could could have even been higher, but I think that was just such a great moment for him. 
Because you know, yeah, because people were rooting for them to get together, right? Because we didn't know Robin was gay. Yeah, so they and were... he's he, this is immediately after he you know essentially you know professed his love for her and said mm-hmm. I'm over Nancy I really like you, so he just got rejected and on top of it all she's coming out to him, so it was it was just a, a really neat scene. I mean, yeah, Tammy Thompson, you know she's cute and all, but. I mean, she's a total dud. She's not. Yes, she is. She wants to be like a singer. She wants to move like Nashville and shit. She has dreams. She can't even hold a tune. I'm just practically tone deaf. Have you heard her? All the time. She does not sound like that. She sounds exactly like that. That's no, she a great does not impersonation sound like that. You sound like a Muppet. She sounds like a Muppet. She sounds like a Muppet giving birth. <laughs> The next one is, we've just talked about it too, but it's when he checks on Max and Billy's grave. You know, all the guys, or not all the guys, but Dustin and Lucas are there and they're obviously, you know, around. But Steve's the one that's really watching to make sure that she's okay. Because he's like, she's taking too long. Yeah. I'm going to go get her. So he like, I mean, he really does totally embrace the babysitter role. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) All right. It's been long enough. Steve, just give her some time. I have. All right, Sinclair? I'm calling it. She wants to get a lawyer if she can. Max! Time to giddy up, yeah? Max. 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 Max! And this that was right after the scene, too, which was one of, it's one of my favorite scenes that um, when they're in the trailer park. Mm-hmm. And and he tells Dustin to, to wipe his feet. <laughs> so oh yeah, he starts wiping his feet in because they're outside the car. Just <laughs> really good. So. so number three, top five Steve moment. I, I I we I think we had to go with the Farrah Fawcett spray and the bit on the train tracks mm-hmm. with Dustin and the and the Fabergé and all that. That could almost just, be number one for me. It, any of these could be number one. They're all just they're all just really good. But as far as you know, him being a great character and great babysitter and great caretaker. Yeah, you know. Fabergé. What? It's Fabergé Organics. Use the shampoo and the conditioner, and when your hair is damp, it's not wet, okay, when it's damp. Damp. You do four puffs of the Farrah Fawcett spray. Farrah Fawcett spray? Yeah, Farrah Fawcett. You tell anyone I just told you that, and your ass is grass, you're dead, Henderson. You understand? Yep. Which leads us to number two, which, again, we've already talked about. But when he leaves Weathertop, like, everybody else is very, which you can't blame him. They're very focused on, you know, trying to save the world. But he looks down and he sees the immediate, you know, danger at the mall. So he leaves and leaves everybody up there to go help the rest of the crew back at the yeah, mall. Yeah, and he, he has no idea what he's even getting into. All he Mm-mm. sees is the, kind of the flashing lights. I mean, you, you yeah. can't really see the demo, you know, the mind flare or whatever. It's just, mm-hmm. you know. But he just, he knows that he needs to be there and Dustin's okay and can take care of himself, so. Do you copy? Where are you going? Get them the hell out of there. Stay here, contact the others. Shit. Wait, Robin. Stay in touch. Got it. And then I, I think just the number one obvious moment for me as far as turning Steve around is that scene with Tommy and Carol at the yeah. Fairmart where he just, you know, just 
being able to see him stand up to the bullies and and not join in with them. And this is immediately after they did spray paint the sign. So, I mean, you know, oh, yeah. it, it was kind of it was kind of an immediate thing. But but so here's the scene. Here's a little bit of the scene just so you, you know, kind of refresh your memory. Hand making that face while hand Nancy are screwing. Carol, for once in your life, shut your damn mouth. What? Hey, what's your problem, man? You're both assholes. That's my problem. Are you serious? Yeah, right I'm now, serious. Man? You shouldn't have done that. Done what? You know what? You mean call her out for what she really is? Oh, that's funny because I don't remember you asking me to stop. I should have put that spray paint right down your throat. What the hell, Steve? You know, neither of you ever cared about her. You never even liked her. Because she's not miserable like you two. She actually cares about other people. The slut with the heart of gold. I told you to watch your mouth. Hey! I don't know what's gotten into you, man, but you don't talk to her that way. Get out of my face. Or what? Or what? That is Steve. Steve Harrington. We love him. Love him. Love him, love him. I really have a hard time choosing between him and Hopper as my favorites. Yeah, and I think you you can pick both. I mean, I can do whatever I want. We run this podcast, That's right. so. That's right. <laughs> like... We run this, run this show. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into some emails from our fans this week. And they wrote in with some of their favorite Steve moments. And the first one, I'll take it. It's from Aiden. He says, hey, Colin and Winnie, it's Aiden again. And after forgetting to write in for three weeks, I'm back. Steve is one of my favorite characters, and it was weird rewatching the show to see him being such a giant turd to everyone. I think Steve <laughs> and Dustin are the best duo in Stranger Things. I did watch Free Guy and was super surprised when I saw Joe Curie. And I hope Stranger Things gives us way more Steve in season five. I I think I think he's going to play a crucial part. Yeah, he's he's the lead character. He's a lead character at this point. Oh, I I would say almost. I don't know. It's so hard to say who's the like absolute star. Yeah. You can't. I mean, I know Elle is kind of like the focal point and everything, but you know, yeah, line wise, she doesn't do a whole lot, but she no. is kind of the, you know, she's kind of the crux of the yeah, show. Yeah, she's kind of like the basis, but then. But yeah, I think Hopper and and Steve are the two real leads of the show. Yeah, if you want yeah. agreed. All right, our another. Oh, we've got another email. It's from Ollie. He says, "Hey, Whitney and Colin, I recently watched Stranger Things for the first time and finished it in a week." I can't wait for the episode on Steve because he is my favorite character. Thank you for making this podcast. I put it on while I study. Hope you're having a great day, Ollie. Well, you're welcome, Thanks, Ollie. Ollie. And yeah. you're in good company if Steve's your yeah. favorite character. We all <laughs> love him. All right, next one's from Doug. Hello, Whitney and Colin. First for Whitney on your Back to the Future comments. Totally right on loving the sounds the dials on the amplifier make. I'm telling you. it like Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for triggering that memory for me. Also, I watched the trilogy a little while ago with my daughters when they were six and nine and they loved it. So young kids really still dig it. But I do understand your take because I definitely did not expect them to. On to Steve. He's a gem in general. I think he's it's a really nice twist by the Duffers to subvert the 80s popular kid villain cliche. My favorite Steve moment is when he tells off Tommy and Carol and calls them assholes. There you go. Mm -hmm. Well, that is except for the bat flip, which never gets old. Oh, yeah. Didn't even even mention the bat flip. The bat flip or... I the want, key flip when when I'm told like but but when he goes to Dustin when Dustin wants him to come take care of oh he's Dart, like do you ever just hand things to and people they, or they open up the trunk and he and he just tosses the key to Dustin for no reason but yeah, yeah oh no but I was talking about um he does there I think it's it's in season two or in their ton when they're in the tunnels mm-hmm. remember I've told you this before like I want yeah. like a shot I want that photo right like of yeah, yeah. them in the tunnels with him with his. With his the goggles and bandana. And yeah. Stuff. And he, I like, yeah. he throws, I can't remember if to, he throws like a bomb or something, right? Like the, like the, uh, the lighter, right? Or something. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah. Something. He catches it on yeah. fire. 
So Doug says, I also just love him jumping over the bear trap for some reason, which is also a good one. The Duffers do a really good job allowing their characters to make natural teenage mistakes and hooking us when we see them learn from them. For example, you can totally understand Steve smashing Jonathan's camera or even wanting him to fight in the alley. And then when he owns up to his douchebaggery, we all love him for it. Although I do remember when watching season one for the first time, I was still plenty annoyed seeing Steve on the Wheeler couch in his Christmas sweater at the end. <laughs> Good point. I really dig the conversation with him and Eddie in the Upside Down Woods, too. Plenty of movies or shows explore the teenage struggle of peers assuming so much about you if you're into nerdy things. But it's not too often you see them delve into the assumption that popular kids are guaranteed total douchebags. I hope in season five we'll get a scene or more with Steve and Jonathan. Obviously, they've been on screen together several times, but have not yet had a real conversation of substance. I would assume this might be coming, or maybe Steve, Jonathan, and Nancy will even find themselves in a trio separated from the others, since each season we get a new combination of characters. Good thought. I like that. It is a good point, because they really don't have a lot of stuff They don't really have a lot of stuff to do, but I also, I don't know, Jonathan's so boring to me. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you, Doug. That was a good email. Yes, Doug. Nothing against you, but. Anyways, our next email, it was the one we were going to skip this week, but we decided to throw it in at the last minute. I know. It's Harriet. So Harriet (laughs) says, hi, Colin and Whitney, another entry for the unread email list. See, you were almost there, Harriet. Didn't know how close you came, Harriet. Yeah. Yeah, I do go on a lot of camps. I guess that's just me overcommitting to extracurriculars. I was walking home while listening to the last episode, and when Steve was announced as a character deep dive, I did a little jump and cheer, and the kids on the other side of the street were looking at me weird. And to Steve, oh, how I love him. He started off being the stereotypical dumb jock, then evolved into an amazing babysitter, friend, and person overall. Casting my thoughts back to season one first watch, I thought Steve was generally an ass. He was just a pretty rich boy. Sad to say, but I disliked him before season one, episode eight. But then as he evolved and leveled up into someone who would do anything to protect his friends and family, I definitely grew to love him. That's all I got. Love, Harriet. I remember being fascinated by his hair, but yeah. his hair is huge in the first yeah, season. It really. is huge. It's, well, it still is because I watch. I, I was rewatching the scene with him and Robin in the bathroom in season three, and his hair. Because I was just, I was just checking to see, you know, how many different takes he did of his hair moved or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's still, it's still big hair, but yeah, yeah. Okay, next email from Tori. Hey y'all, it's me, Tori again. When you guys said a deep dive on insert drum roll, mm-hmm. I prayed that it was Steve, and was so insanely happy that you guys announced it was. Anyways, I don't really have anything to say about Steve besides him being my absolute favorite character, besides Eddie, of course. I have a Funko Pop of Steve and even a t-shirt that says the babysitter with Steve on it that I'm wearing right now. Oh, Evie my has that shirt. Scenes... Oh, yeah, cool. Evie has that same shirt. My favorite scenes with Steve are when he's hanging out with Dustin or any scene with Robin. Anyways, I don't have anything more to add about Steve. Thanks for the amazing podcast and have an amazing day. Munson, out. All right. Next, we have Eve in the UK. She says, hi, Colin and Whitney. Hope things are going well for you. Very happy that King Steve is going to get his moment this week. So without further ado, here are my thoughts on Steve the Hare Harrington. His character arc was so brilliantly thought out. So kudos to the Duffers. Who doesn't love a redemption story of a high school jock with amazing hair and a retro BMW? Yes, he was a douchebag in season one. But even then, you could see that he did care about what was best for Nancy, as well as his relationship with her. Season two, Steve, such a good guy to still protect Nancy and look out for Jonathan after the whole Halloween fiasco. He had no issue with standing up to Billy, even though he had no idea what he was getting into. And he was fine with helping Max out, even though he'd only just met her. Season three, Steve, comedic gold. And he won a fight. He also accepted Robin (laughs) after her rejection and still stayed great friends with her. I need a guy like this at my school. Seriously. Joe Keery, get in touch with me, please. 
<laughs> Season four of Steve, back to the protector he was born to be. He was so willing to protect all the kids, even though he said he was always the babysitter. Just an overall legend of a character. And if I hear any Steve hate this episode, I will be sending a very strongly worded email to the distributor of that hate. Also worth mentioning, my exams are nearly done, but I'm getting to a point where I have more than one a day, so I may not be able to write in as much. I will do my best. As usual, thank you so much for this podcast in a void that has certainly got deeper and darker this month. Over and out, Eve. Thank you, Eve. Okay, next one's from Harry. Hello, Colin and Whitney. I'm glad you're doing an episode about Steve. A few thoughts. Right after the opening credits in Holly Jolly, the camera pans across Steve's bedroom, showing Nancy sitting alone in her bra while Steve is sacked out on the bed, and I immediately thought... This dude is going nowhere with her. <laughs> and yeah, both characters have changed a lot since then, but fans keep talking about how season four was the precursor to a rekindling of their relationship because Steve had turned into a good guy for love, fan favorite trope, and Nancy thought he looked good shirtless or whatever. But Steve's literal first bit of dialogue in season four is that he doesn't want to start a relationship with someone who will be leaving for college in the fall. This is when he's driving with Robin in the car to school. Mm-hmm. He's talking about a girl named Heidi, but still... He still wants his six nuggets at an RV and he wants Nancy to be there with him. But the expression on Nancy's face when confessing his feelings is not a joyful one. Steve's whole pitch to Nancy and to win her heart in the upside down woods in season four is just a better version of the pitch he made in the car in the first episode of season two, big family, domestic bliss, etc. Steve wants to be, I think, a more attentive version of Ted, but Nancy doesn't want to be her mom, Karen. And I'm not sure even Karen wants to be Karen as much as she loves her kids. <laughs> I also have a theory about why Steve is so smitten with Nancy, and it's not solely because Nancy, who a character has made my top five, is awesome. In the train track scene in season two, where Steve and Dustin are talking about girls, Steve says the trick is to pretend that you don't care. He says it drives them nuts. This is what Nancy accidentally did to Steve in season one. After they sleep together, Barb goes missing, and suddenly Nancy has more important things than her handsome and popular boy to deal with. She doesn't deliberately start ignoring Steve, but that's how it feels to him because she stops spending time with him to look for her best friend. King Steve isn't used to that sort of treatment from girls, and it changes him. Season two, Steve is no longer the guy who pretends he doesn't care. He's actually kind of clingy, and I think that's because Nancy accidentally used his own trick against him. Yeah, <laughs> so, I do too. Yeah. So while I'm pretty sure both you guys have said that you root for Stancy, I personally don't think it'll happen. I suspect that Steve's journey in season five will be for the approval of his father and his change from the jobs he's been doing into a career that he that can pay for his RV and hence his nuggets. And romantically, I suspect he may end up with Callie. No, really. As Steve has become a better person, he has spent more time looking after others. Callie is the villain because of the way she has dealt with the pain and abuse she suffered. All she had was vengeance, and she thought she had everything about life figured out. But if she returns in season five at her lowest point, I don't think she will, but we'll see. After tragically losing her crew and having no one else to turn to but her sister Elle, she might be at a point where she's ready to rethink everything, and Steve would be there to show her a better way to live. Besides, Linnea Berthelsen, the actress who plays Callie, is gorgeous, and she and Joe Curie would look really great together with their six superpowered nuggets. That's my entirely serious and good suggestion for my favorite TV show. Finally, a trivia question. Who is everybody's favorite morning weather guy? The answer can be found in season one, episode one at 11.05. And this is when Hopper, I think it's the scene when Hopper is waking up and we see the TV and they're talking about I was thinking it was the scene where Nancy and and Mike are at the table in the at their house and the TV's on in the background. That's not this. This is the scene right at the beginning of the whole show. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know the answer. Yeah, it's it's in it's it's I think it's in Hopper's house. But anyway, yeah, I had no idea either, and I actually had to look it up. So good on you, Harry. You you stumped us on that one. It's Charles is the weather guy. The line is. 
Donna, who is the, the newscaster on the show, says, in other news, you might want to stay home tonight or at least pack an umbrella. We turn to everybody's favorite morning weather guy, Charles. Um, Harry says, take care. I hope I didn't make Whitney do that sound again. Best <laughs> from Harry. <laughs> no, you did not. But I I actually don't think Stephen and Nancy are going to get together. I would like it, but I don't I don't think they will. I would no. like it if they did. But Yeah, you I, think of the way they ended season four, it was her and Jonathan reconciling as they're patching up the, the cabin. So. Yeah, but remember Jonathan gives her like, or she gives Jonathan like a weird like look because they don't talk that's about true. anything. So I don't know, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't yeah. know. I don't want to get like, I'm not getting my hopes up, but um, <laughs> yeah. But I also, I just don't, I will eat a giant slice of humble pie if Callie returns because I just do not see it happening. No, I don't either. I don't think there's a chance in hell that she's coming back. Me but we'll see. We'll see. I, I do. That is the first. That is a very original theory, though, because I have never heard that one. Before. Oh, yeah. I, all the credit in the world, Harry. That's it's a yeah. it's a great theory and very and nothing I've ever heard before. So, yeah, and I don't have anything really against it. I just don't think it's going to happen. No. no. Anyways, on to our next email. It's from Jason. He says, hey, Colin and Whitney, hope all is going well. It's Jason from Toronto. Weather is finally starting to get nice around here, and it's a long weekend here in Canada. It is the Victoria Day weekend. What's Victoria Day? You keep asking me these questions. Sorry, I just, I, how long have you known me? This is what I do. It is. (laughs) You're like my own personal Google. (laughs) It is a, uh, it's a holiday in Canada to honor, obviously, Queen Victoria. It's been observed in Canada for, good Lord, since the 1800s, I think. Canada doesn't have a queen? And it was originally, well, they did, used to. They did? well, they were part of they were part of the British Commonwealth. Yeah, mm. I mean, they, I mean, there's still kind of you know residual stuff going on there, but yeah. So her birthday is May 24th. So that is that's Victoria. I Day see. I see. Yeah. Says I am quickly trying to send out this email before I miss the deadline. I missed the deadline for the funniest moments in the show, but I didn't want to miss the one on Steve the Hair Harrington. I was not a fan of Steve at first, but he eventually won me over when he came back into the buyer's house to help Nancy and Jonathan fight the Demogorgon, and then when he became the babysitter in season two. I tend to enjoy the characters like Steve, who end up as rogues or flat-out bad guys, and then get a redemptive arc and become fan-favorite characters. Some examples of these types of characters I enjoy are Han Solo and, and Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I cannot wait for Season 5 and to see the continuation of the love triangle between Nancy, Jonathan, and Steve. Since I missed the funniest moments, I wanted to comment on one of mine. The whole situation between Murray, Jonathan, and Nancy always has me in stitches. The morning after breakfast and the pullout comment always makes me chuckle. It me isn't too. So much, yeah, you and Colin. <laughs> it isn't so much the lines themselves, but how awkward Jonathan and Nancy are. Once again, thanks for the great podcast. Your friend, Jason from Toronto. Thank you, Jason. Next one's from Alessandra. Says, hey, Whitney and Colin, just wanted to send a big thanks for soldiering on during the break. Every time your intro music pops on, my next played podcast, it makes my day. I also wanted to let you know that I'm 30, so your older fans are out here. But I love hearing different perspective from the younger listeners who write in. Here's a question for you. I've been trying to get my parents, who will have actual memories of 80s culture, to watch the series for years. My mom got spooked off by the opening scene and said it was too scary. As a huge wimp, I can confirm the show is not too scary. Which episode should I start with to try to get her to watch this summer? I'm sure you have a schedule in mind, but I would love to do a rewatch, maybe even with a virtual chat option sometime. Last, last thing, I also live in Kentucky. So funny to hear that some... Oh! So funny to hear that come up in Stranger Things content land. Thank you again. Sincerely, Alessandra. Well, a fellow Kentuckian. Um... I don't, I don't know, know if you can really, you can't I don't really think start, so. you know, I mean, if you I would can start get her, with... if you can just get her past the fur, because I remember 
the first part, like watching it for the first time, and it what my stomach dropped. And I remember thinking, like, oh, this is really scary. And yeah. but it quickly levels out. In I mean, if if you want to start with like season three, episode one, which is all the mall and mm-hmm. and Dustin and all that kind of stuff, just to kind of show her where it's going, and that it kind of gets fun and light yeah. and colorful and but you've and good still music. got the. But you're going to have to go back. You're going to have to say, okay, that's where we're going. So let's go back and start at the beginning because you can't really, you know. And you've still got the the Russians getting like vaporized right there. I don't know if she'll think that's. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's first thing. It's like in the first scene. Right. Um, So I don't know. You can't really start anywhere in the middle. Like, yeah. But just tell them this. I mean, you can use me as an example. It took me five or six times to actually watch long. the whole series yeah i mean i was driving whitney lunatic yes like i was because harassing i would him. i would but i think i think it i think it legitimately took me four times four or five times of watching so weird. starting over and starting over until i finally just kept going and just and just did it so you could use me as an example yeah if you but i will say i mean season one's probably the scariest i don't know yeah. though no, season Well, it's four. the dark. It's dark. I mean, it's it's just kind of... Well, they're all scary. I'm stupid. They're all scary except for season three, really. And even season three yeah. is really scary. It's really gory. Yeah. I don't know. It's a scary show. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's also very fun. And if yeah. she listens along with the podcast, that might help, too. Yes. So, you know, you can do that. Yeah, true. Okay, our next email is from Sam. He says, hello. Sorry I haven't emailed in such a while, but here are my thoughts on the hair himself. Okay, so I think everyone thinks in season one, Steve is just a typical bully character until he redeems himself but i beg to differ so in the beginning of season one admittedly steve is pretty douchey but as the season progresses he's progresses he's honestly not that bad he's portrayed as the jock the popular one and the guy that you either love or hate but when he invites barb and nancy over for his party in season one he doesn't say "Ew, why did you bring barb he welcomes them a little creepily but i rest my case also, when Barb cuts up, cuts her hand trying to shotgun a beer, Steve doesn't laugh at her like Tommy H. and Carol. He directs her to the bathroom and tells her to clean herself up. When he finds out about the pictures of Nancy taken by Jonathan, he acted how I would have, honestly. I mean, he definitely did not execute his emotions correctly, but from his standpoint, the weird kid at school snuck into his backyard and took pictures of him, his girlfriend, and his friend swimming. Then took soccer pics of his girlfriend getting undressed. Yes, I know he probably should not have broken the camera, but can you blame him? Also, whenever Tommy H. and Carol make comments about other people, he shoots them down for being rude. For example, when Tommy says he probably killed him, referring to Jonathan hanging up missing posters for Will, Steve says, dude, shut up. Anyways, for the rest of the show, he is funny and amazing. Thanks. See you next time, scoopers. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. I those are all excellent points. I do... He does irritate me, though, when he doesn't make Tommy and Carol stop making those noises at Nancy at the lunch table because he just laughs yes. along with them. And that does irritate me because yeah, she's very embarrassed. But yes. but other than that, yes, he does. He does. You. I'm just really glad he got his his arc. Yep. Okay, next one's from Ellie. Hey, Colin and Whitney. For some reason, I thought the emails for last episode were due on the 13th. No idea why. Anyway, I have to tell you my top five funniest moments. In no particular order, one, the scene in season four when Lucas and Max are in the Creole house. And after all that angst, we have a super cute scene with Lucas asking Max to go to that Friday night date at the movies. Part of me wants season five to end with some happy moments of individual members of the gang, like a montage. I would love that so much. Gotta love a good montage. Oh, I love a good mo- I want them. I want it to be in the future. Like, and yeah. we see where they all are. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, I need that. I need that in my life. Well, 
Yeah. Elle could have family dinner with Hop, Joyce, and Jonathan. Nancy, depending on where we end up with Jancy or Stancy. Will, Mike, and Will's future boyfriend. And Max and Lucas could finally have that Friday night date. I don't know. Just an idea. Number two. The scene in season one, episode three, Holly Jolly, where Mike and Elle are having fun in the Wheeler house. The scene with the lazy boy is so cute. That is a cute scene, actually. Mm-hmm. Number three, the bathroom scene with Robin and Steve. It's so heartwarming how accepting Steve is of Robin. He even makes fun of her in a joking way about her liking Tammy, the Muppet. Yes. Number four, the scene in season four at the end where Robin is volunteering, making peanut butter and jam sandwiches, and Vicky comes out and they bond, and then you pan to Steve just being the proud mama he is. Yes, that's great. <laughs> and number five, the scene in season three where the Scoops troop is in the elevator and Dustin is like, no, if you die, I die. And then there's a good three seconds of silence before Steve just says, okay. Anyway, the <laughs> The 21st is my name day. And since I was christened Eleni, which is, I know I'm butchering that. I know it's not a It's going to be Eleni, 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 E-L-E-N-I. I'm sorry, Ellie, which is the Greek version of Helen. So maybe it's Eleni, Eleni, a lady. Okay. I don't know, but you keep saying it. So I'll never know because it's oh. just like. <laughs> if I say it a hundred different ways, one of them uh, will be right. One Ellie of them will be right. Stra- she so tells rather- you. Oh, and that's right. Next... Yes. Or rather, Helen is the English version of Eleni. Stress on L-E. And, and then the I at the end is just like the I in is or in or English or any other word practically. So Eleni. Eleni? Eleni. Oh, God. Eleni. I don't know why, but I also Eleni. get presents. Eleni. Oh, that's good. I like that. Okay. I don't know why, but I also get presents for my name day. I'm getting a book and a dress and some stuff I don't know of yet. On the 12th, I had a school trip to a neighboring city. It was so fun. I got a book too. But then on the bus ride back, I had a terrible headache, which was not helped by the fact that my classmates were having a full-blown concert in the back of the bus to go to a music school in my city. I got very car sick, but that might have been because I had ice cream before getting on the bus. At least that's what my mom said. Anyway, on to Mama Steve. <laughs> Steve is definitely the person who's had the most character development, like he did a complete 180. As I saw on a meme, I can't find it or I'd send it, that said Steve went from, I'll have your daughter home by eight, to you better have my children home by eight. (laughs) And I feel like that is just perfect. He is just perfect in every aspect, except that, unlike most of the fandom, I would not date him if given the chance. Don't come at me, please. He's just so protective of the gang. He is, I don't know what to say about him. So I will sum it up to this. He is awesome. What else do I need to say? Sorry, this was a long email. Hope it wasn't boring. Thanks for reading. Love, Ellie. Ellie, I need to know what a name day is because that's fascinating. Like, what, how do you, what do you, is it your birthday or do you not get named the day that you're born? I'm sure just, Ellie can fill us just, in more. Just tell me what it is. Yes. In your next email. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next email is from Addie. She says, I know this is a late email, but I had state testing slash torture. But here are my top five funniest moments. Number five, Mike and Nancy saying they won't lie to each other and then immediately start lying. Number four, just Max being sarcastic, like in general. Number three, Lucas and Dustin fighting over Max. Number two, Will saying, a day without girls. <laughs> yeah. And number one, the gang surprising Dustin when he comes back. And Dustin sprays Lucas and he screams. That is amazing. Thank you so much for this amazing podcast from Dusty Bun Lover Addy. Okay, are you ready? Email from Sophie D. Hi, guys. I'm so sorry to get a chance to write in last time. I'm just so busy with school. Okay, I'm going to start with my thoughts on Steve the Hare Harrington, and then we'll get into some trivia. Ooh. Absolutely love Steve to death. Joe Keery does such an amazing job playing the character, and I couldn't love him more. Steve was such a dirtbag in the beginning, but the kids are really starting to grow on him. I can't wait for more Steve in season five. Okay, let's do some trivia. Number one, what is the name of Nancy's boss and editor of the newspaper in season three? No idea. I just know it's... Yes, you do. Well, who's, whose dad is it, first of all? Start there. That'll it's get you the last name. Last name. Heather. 
Holloway. Heather Holloway. So is it Ron? Tom Holloway. Tom and and Bruce. Bruce, yes. Yes. Become the become the mind flayer. Yes. Yes. Number two, what truck does Hopper drive? It's a Bronco. I think I know. I thought it was a Blazer. It's a Chevy. I thought it was a Blazer. I I have not looked it up, so I don't. I thought it was a Bronco. It's hold on. I'm gonna look it up. I know it's the. I know what. I know exactly what it looks like. It's like the. It's the thing with the cab, and it's kind of white, and it's got the kind of the rust brown. Yeah. Kind of trim on it. It's a Bronco because it's the same car that Chief Brody drives. Well, Ford makes a Bronco, so. But the Chevy Blazer is the Ford Bronco. They're essentially the same thing. So I think it's a Chevy Blazer. Oh, you think it's a Chevy? I think it's a Chevy Blazer. Hold on. I, I mean, I can obviously look it up. Real quick. I'm looking it up. Okay, because I know we I know we talked about it. And um... dang you, you're right. It's a 1988. It's a 1980 Chevrolet K5 Blazer. <laughs> it looks just like a Bronco. It does. They look they look almost identical. Yeah. It's just Ford's version and Chevy's version. They there's just a, they're essentially the same truck. But yeah. <sighs> and lastly, number three, in season two, what is the name of the arcade that the kids go to? Oh, Palace. Palace Arcade. Absolutely. I did know which that. Which was which was stolen from what 1983 movie that also had an arcade with the word palace in its title? We talked about that on the podcast, I remember. The movie has the word palace in the title? No, the movie had an arcade. Oh, seen in the War Games? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's the 20 Grand Palace in War Games. Yep. Yes, I thought you were saying the palace or the arcade yeah, no. or the movie was had a palace in the name. That's all I've got for today, says Sophie. Remember, no cheating. We didn't cheat. We did not. I did, I looked it up. We did not know the answer to that. Well, Colin guessed right, but we didn't know the answer. And then it's followed up quickly by an email from Reese. Hi, it's Reese. You know, my sister is Sophie D. <laughs> She was so embarrassed when she heard my email, and I was so excited because I love this podcast. So Steve is one of my favorite characters. He's a hottie with the body. He is so cute. And I love Joe Carey as an actor. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I love it. Okay. We've got one other, you know, various email. It is, she says, Dear Colin and Whitney, hi, I'm Audrey. I'm only 12 for a few months. I'm 13 in September. I'd love to join the club. Could I? Thanks, Audrey. P.S. E.T. is a weird movie. Yes, yes, and yes. Yes, yes, yes and yes. Uh, we can uh, shoot you an email with the link to the Discord. Make sure your parents are okay with it. And then also, or you can just get on Twitter and the link is, is pinned. It's a pinned tweet on the top of our Twitter page. And Facebook, too, if you're on either of those. But yeah, I can, I'll can. i certainly email you the, the Discord link. Yep. Yes, so. we'd love to have you. So that's it. That's our That's our big Steve talk. Yeah, that does it for this week. In two weeks, we're going to do a top five. And we decided it's not really top five. It's top three. <laughs> yes. It is one of our, it's top three favorite or best episodes of season one. Because guys, we got a lot of time to fill. And we got just, time to kill. So we're, we're going to take gonna, this season, season by season. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it'll make it easier. It's too hard to pick yeah. when there's out of four seasons. So, so pick your, pick your, whether you like them as, I mean, if they're like the episode that you always go back to and always watch, or you think it's a particularly, you know, well-filmed or written episode or whatever. So however you want to rank them, give us your top three episodes from season one. The episode will be on the podcast world on June 8th, Thursday. So email us everything by Sunday, June 4th, and we'll get it on for you. 
Yes. As always, if you enjoy our podcast, we would love it if you left us a review on iTunes because that helps us get in front of other listeners like yourself. If you don't feel like leaving a review, you can always subscribe and just tell your friends about it. You can always find us on Twitter and Facebook and now Instagram because I started that bad boy up today and they are all under Scoops Hoy Pod. That's where you can find us, the username for all of those. And then if you want to just chat with us, shoot us an email and get put your email in the list of possible emails that we might not read. You can always email us at scoopsoypod at gmail.com. See if your email's the unlucky one each week. <laughs> it doesn't get read. Who was it this week? We'll never know. You guys will right. never know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that does it. I want to thank everybody for listening and I hope you tune in next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Stranger Things audio clips and official score are the property of Netflix. Incidental music by Blue Mountain Score from Pixabay.